Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Freedom Forum Radio is for you, faithful listeners, no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, individual freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it. This is Dr. Dan. Who owns your body? The answer to that question is the true subject of any discussion about Obamacare. I could literally spend hours listing for you every rule, regulation, cost, and tax contained in Obamacare. Instead, if I explain to you the philosophy behind this piece of legislation, you will realize that it has been designed specifically to limit the quality and availability of your medical care and ultimately to control the life and death of every U.S. citizen. To begin, we must go all the way back to ancient Greece, to Plato and Hippocrates. Plato believed that a human being's only purpose for living was to serve the Greek empire. Imperfect babies could be killed up to five weeks of age, and people over 45 only received palliative medical care. In both these instances, the decision to terminate a life or to withhold care was related to the patient's minimal or declining usefulness to the collective Greek society. Hippocrates believed that human life is divine in origin and a physician's duty was to protect life from conception until natural death. Fortunately for all of us, Hippocrates won that battle And except for a brief lapse of medical ethics in Nazi Germany, medicine has fulfilled its obligations to humanity as prescribed in the Hippocratic Oath. With Obamacare, the pendulum unfortunately has swung back toward the philosophy of Plato, in which medical services are rationed primarily based on an individual's usefulness to the collective needs of our increasingly socialist society. Physicians, like myself, 
who swore obedience to the Hippocratic Oath, now find that Obamacare places us in direct conflict with our duty to serve the needs of our patients above all else. Freedom Forum Radio now presents for you a series of interviews with physicians from around the country to discuss how Obamacare has affected their ability to practice medicine, how it will affect their ability to practice medicine, and the changes this law has made in the doctor-patient relationship. My first guest is Dr. Jane Hughes. Dr. Hughes is an ophthalmologist practicing in San Antonio, Texas. She is a member of the AAPS, Doc Squads, Doctors for Patient Care, and has involved herself in almost any organization that will help us save our private health care system. You probably saw her on television in the advertisement made to counter the Democrat ad about Paul Ryan throwing Granny over the cliff. You can find a link to Dr. Hughes's YouTube video on my website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. Dr. Hughes, a hearty welcome, and it's really an honor and a pleasure to welcome you to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum and Freedom Forum Radio. Well, Dr. Dan, it's my uh, pleasure to be with you this afternoon. It's a great honor for me to have a conversation with you regarding where we are and where we're going with this thing called Obamacare. Well, Dr. Hughes, you and I are both ophthalmologists, and that's a surgical subspecialty in which a majority of patients are older and also dealing with multiple health issues in addition to vision problems. So let's start out with a very, I think it's a simple question, but probably isn't. How has Obamacare, with all of its bureaucratic regulations, altered the way you practice our mutual perfection? And how do you think it will alter that practice of medicine in the future? Well, that's really a two-tiered question. For me, I am a traditional uh, physician where I have refused to convert to the electronic medical record, which is the number one vehicle for the implementation and really the burdensome requirements of Obamacare. I am, however, under the burdens of Medicare, and to me, the need for reform of our system has been prompted by the distortions caused by government insurance, Medicare and Medicaid, and then the private insurance industry, uh, which followed suit in terms of uh, third-party contracts. But for me, the day-to-day practice of medicine is still very one-on-one, doctor-patient-centered, and this has been a great joy to me. After 2016, if I haven't converted to the electronic medical record, my claims will no longer be processed by uh, Obamacare exchange uh, uh, insurance policies or Medicare or Medicaid. And I currently do not see Medicaid because of the inhibition of my ability to make good decisions with my Medicaid patients. So I have no longer uh, been involved in Medicaid. Well, you know, Dr. Hughes, uh, one of the points about electronic medical records for me I, I think that's a, a double-edged sword. I uh, have been uh, on EMR and le- electronic medical records for about three, three and a half years, uh, and I did that not to comply with government uh, mandates. I did it to be able to document 
my charts and my patient care, which like you is very, very individually, individual patient-centered. But I found that as I get older, doing all that writing is really hurting my hands, if nothing else. And so being able to document a patient's medical condition uh, by typing it, which is how I'm doing it. I mean, I had typing, mandatory typing in seventh and eighth grades, so I can type very well. That's a much easier way for me to enter medical information into a patient's uh, chart. But what you're objecting to, and I certainly understand that, is the access that the federal government will have to medical records once they are completely computerized. That's exactly right. I don't have any problem with anyone else adopting an electronic medical record uh, for their office. What I have the objection to is the central connectivity, and that, of course, is the ultimate uh, goal uh, here. You know, just recently it, was, uh, it has come out that the federal government has paid uh, billions of dollars out to physician entities and hospitals uh, to lure them into creating the electronic medical record by their specifications and to capture the data that they require. And just recently they've announced that they've hired a company to audit 10% of those who've taken any kind of money for the electronic medical record implementation, which, by the way, is very costly and is 20% less efficient if you look at it overall in terms of the cost and the number of patients that can be seen with full implementation of the government-approved electronic medical record. Uh, so it's quite interesting to me that the government would pay money to individuals, to uh, hospitals or physicians, to establish the electronic medical record with the forward-looking uh, purpose to be central connectivity to monitor the physician and the patient, uh, and then turn around and audit for meaningful use, and I put the meaningful use in quotes, uh, these entities in the hopes of recovering uh, money that they've already spent. It's sort of a sinister arrangement. We have to take a quick commercial break here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. More right after this. Well, how do you envision, I mean, I have my own ideas, but how do you envision that central conduct uh, connectivity? How do you envision that that will be for physicians on an interactive basis. What do you th- what do you think is going to happen uh, once that system is fully operational? Well, the Wall Street Journal had a wonderful expose article about a year and a half ago uh, regarding the the Watson system, which is a computerized system that's able to track uh, in real time what a physician does. Much like uh, if you see the UPS people and they've got their little mobile tablet. Uh, they can be tracked where they are, what they're doing, what the cost of the transaction is. The ultimate goal of Obamacare, for those of us who have read most of it or all of it, uh, is for the physician to be a data gatherer, and in real time, the central planners will dispense instructions as to what care you may offer that particular patient. And let me expand on that just a bit. Uh, there's uh, a physician, Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel, who's written a good bit about how he thinks we should allocate scarce medical treatments and, in fact, wrote a complete article uh, in the Lancet Journal in 2000, the January 2009 uh, journal. And in it, he has uh, a uh, complete lives care curve. 
And it's much like Plato, as you previously mentioned, those individuals 18 to about 40 are the maximum receivers of health care resources, and those earlier than that age and more elderly than those ages are second-tier in terms of consideration of care when they're sick. Well, if you take a look at Obamacare, the Independent Payment Advisory Board, by deciding what they will pay for certain procedures and what the parameters are in allowing the treatment, they have the absolute ability, coupled with uh, the Comparative Effectiveness Research Council, which was tucked into the stimulus bill, uh, to decide who gets what care and when based on very arbitrary parameters. Well, I'm not sure that, you know, that a lot of the decisions will be based on arbitrary uh, parameters. I think they know exactly what they want to do. I've also, I'm very familiar with the Complete Live System by Ezekiel Emanuel, who was one of the architects of Obamacare, and as I'm sure you know, he's Rahm Emanuel's brother. Um, what what they envision is having the primary, that they will have all of this data and everything about every single patient, which is their goal, not just your name and address and phone number, but their age, their habits, their diseases, whether they are good. You know right now, when you see a diabetic, if you want to code a diabetic, your very first code is what not only what type of diabetes, but whether they are controlled or uncontrolled. Uh, that kind of data will probably be used to punish people who are not controlled and to reward people who are. But I will be willing to bet anything that age is probably going to be the number one parameter because that's what fits in with Ezekiel Emanuel's complete live system. Well, and let's not forget, it's not just going to be the patient that's punished. A lot of the rubrics for reimbursement are based on, quote, quality analysis. So if your diabetic patient is, quote, poorly controlled, that's going to have an adverse effect on your reimbursement. Essentially, this system reduces physicians into data-gathering data widgets and cookbook medicine followers, which is far astray from what you and I have been trained uh, to do with each individual patient, and that is evaluate the patient and then deliver the care that is specifically warranted in that individual patient. Um, I think it's a straw man argument to say that we have to ration care by uh, central mandate because every day reasonable physicians are rationing care uh, based on the patient, the patient's family, the physician's opinion on the situation, and, of course, who pays for it. Uh, we no longer have the situation we had 20 years ago where the out-of-town daughter rushes in and wants to do everything for the hopeless situation uh, with the father or the mother, for example. Uh, we've come a long way since those times, and that is certainly a much more compassionate way for us to allocate scarce medical treatments than to have Big Brother dictate who gets what, as again, I would call it arbitrary, but you're right, I totally agree with you. They know exactly how they're going to ration care. Right, and I think that what the point that you've brought up, which I would like to emphasize, is this is all part of an overall plan. That plan is the complete live system uh, of Ezekiel Emanuel, and he has stated very, very plainly in his philosophy, which is, if you're under 
under five or eight years of age, you know, you, you don't get a lot of care. If you're over 45, you don't get a lot of care. And what it is is that as a person gets more and more educated and reaches that magic age of about 18, then society, in his view, has invested in you a certain amount of time and money which makes you valuable. Once you get to the 45, 50, or 55 years of age, your productivity is going downward. You're on the downward side of the hill, and so society doesn't really owe you that much anymore. And that is the plan, and you've enunciated it very well. Well, I think a further point to make there, and this is what we're kind of dancing around, we all knew that our health care system needed reform. But this Obamacare law is not reform. It's taking the profession you and I love, and it's usurping it for a socio-political agenda. And that socio-political agenda actually ultimately will put every physician in an ethical and moral dilemma when they are interfacing with their patients. Well, what do I mean by this? Let's say you have the individual who comes in who has uh, a sexually transmitted disease, for example, and you're expected to enter all that data. Now, let's say that person is a CEO of a major company. How are you going to get treatment for that individual without putting into the electronic medical record that's going to be centrally connected to health and human services, to Homeland Security? There are five federal agencies that they envision data from the physician's uh, interaction with the patient is going to be dispersed. Uh, how are you going to protect that patient's privacy? Uh, how are you going to get the appropriate treatment for that patient while doing it? It's going to be an untenable uh, position in terms of ethics for uh, most physicians. Well, this is really part of the pattern of uh, the loss of privacy, not just in the medical area, but through legislation and really absolutely horrendous Supreme Court decisions, we as American citizens are not free, and we certainly do not have the what the expectation of privacy that we have enjoyed for the last 230 years. You have the NDAA and, and the Patriot Act and acts of that nature, uh, which allow the executive branch to really do whatever they want in collecting information about any of us. And the recent Supreme Court decision actually allowed the president to uh, terminate the lives of people that he determines uh, to be a threat to the American people. Uh, we have uh, a absolutely unconstitutional uh, de facto suspension of habeas corpus, uh, all part of this overall pattern of allow of not allowing, but the, with government usurping power in order to make us not free to have no privacy, and to be total subjects of an all-powerful, federal, tyrannical government. And so what you have talked about for medical care is, is just part of this overall pattern to destroy our freedom. That concludes part one of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with Dr. Hughes. Tune in next week for part two. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Oh, me the mischief!
Choctaw. Only original sin. Only railroad steel. Get joy in everything. 